Welcome to Grace United Methodist Church Sermon Podcast. We are a group of people who are caring together and growing together. You can learn more about our church and its ministries at franklingrace.org. How is it that two people can see the same thing, look at the same thing, and see something completely different? How can they look at the same image and come up with completely different ideas, sometimes opposing ideas, or view the same situation, read the same information, watch the same TV show or news or broadcast, and stand on opposite sides of whatever the issue is? How does that happen? I'll show you how it happens. Let me explain. Take a look at this. What is the first thing you see? A six or a nine? Did anyone see the letter G? Oh. But you would argue that it was a six or a nine. And by golly, you would be right. Or take a look at this one. How many do you see first? I hear three. I hear four. It just depends on where you're looking or how you're looking. You're given the same image, yet you saw it differently than the person sitting next to you or in front of you or behind you, maybe even the person that you have spent several years of your life with saw something different. You may wonder, how in the world did they see that? What is wrong with them? It is clearly what I saw, not what they saw. It's so obvious. For example, do you see a lady or an old man? The answer would be yes. But what do you see first? And what about this one? How many of you see a duck? How many of you see a rabbit? There were people last night who could not find the rabbit for the life of them. (laughs) And isn't that true of life? You are given the same information, but sometimes your perspective makes you see things differently, like in this one. If you're stranded on an island and you see a boat coming in, it's a boat! If you've been drifting on the sea for days and days and days and you see an island, it's land! Perspective. Or how about this one? One of the best examples I can give is this one, to show you a picture of several people trying to describe what they do not realize is the same thing. They are all looking away from the object. They are focusing on one small area of the object and do not realize that their part is a part of the whole. For example, one says, it's a spear, because they are focusing on the tusk. It's sharp, it's pointy. Or someone says, no, 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 it's a tree. 
They're touching the, the thick, strong, massive leg of said object, and it feels like a tree. Or what about, no, 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 you're both wrong. It's a snake because they are touching the trunk, and it feels like this massive python dangling from a tree. It's a snake. What's wrong with you people? Oh, no, no, it's a rope. It's focusing on the tail. It's rough. It's stringy at the end. It, it, it feels like a rope. It must be a rope. No, you're all wrong. It's a fan, which we could have used the last few days. It's a fan. It's, it's wide, and every time it moves, I can feel the breeze blowing across my face. It must be a fan. No, it's a wall. I'm touching a massive wall as far as I can reach up, as far as I can reach out. It feels like a solid, massive wall. It must be a wall. And argue, arguments, conflict, controversy breaks out because they are all convinced of what they see and what they are touching, what they are experiencing is correct. And they are all wrong because it is, in fact, an elephant. It is, in fact, an elephant. Elephant. Context matters. And so think about this, church. When it comes to sermons, reflections, or messages, when it comes to Bible studies or sharing and studying scripture, you are given the same information. I will preach this sermon one more time today. I, and I preached it last night, now, and at 11. It is the same sermon. But I can guarantee when people come through the line after the service, they will have heard something differently. And sometimes they have heard something I never said. <laughs> God, give us ears to hear and to understand that we may hear something different. Give us eyes to see and knowledge to realize that we can see things differently. Give us common ground, common ground to stand on and the wisdom to make more room for you and your spirit of truth. Give us courage and desire to live within your kingdom way. Amen. In the beginning, God. That is how our story began. In the beginning, God created. That is how our story took shape and form. In the beginning, God created humankind. In God's likeness and image, God created them, male and female. That is how our relationship with the divine, with God, was born. Church, we must never forget that storyline. Our story is relationship. It is personal and communal. Our story is powerful and creative. It is love, responsibility, forgiveness, hope, and wholeness. From Genesis, which is the very first book of the Bible, to Revelation, Please don't put an S on the end. 
Revelation, the very last book of the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, the very, or the, the ancient story remains the same. And it is born new every day. It is old and it is new. It is new and it is old. And hopefully that will make sense by the end of our time together. Today we finish our series on the parables of Jesus found in the Gospel of Matthew. And Matthew is one who continually invites us to look back in order to look forward. The last five weeks, we listened as Jesus spoke in metaphor and in spiritual lessons regarding the kingdom of God or the rule of God. And as Jesus said to the people of his day and his closest followers, it's like this. What is the it? The rule of God, the kingdom of God. It's like this. Wheat and weeds growing in the field together. Get your weed, get your weeds out of here. No, wheat and weeds growing together. It's like this, seeds that land on different kinds of hearts are found in different situations. It's like this, a mustard seed and yeast infiltrating with unexpected goodness and yield. It's like this, a treasure or pearl worth everything you've got. It's a fishing net, wide and deep enough to catch us all and let God do the sorting. It's like this, an owner of a household or a store with unlimited stock, both new and old, ready to pull off the shelf. The parables were Jesus' way of saying, if you are going to follow me, if you are going to live for me, then you need to follow and live by a different kind of kingdom rule. Notice Jesus didn't say rules. He didn't say you need to follow different rules. He said you need to follow a different rule. Not the kingdom of Rome, not the kingdom of whoever was Caesar at the time or the ruler, the king at the time, but rather the kingdom of God, the rule of God, Yahweh, the creator of the heavens, and the earth, the one who was there at the beginning. Our goal with this series was to create an awareness and better understanding of how people of Jesus's day would have heard Jesus's comparisons, what was implied within his words and what made his message so radically different. And then to take a look at what we can learn and apply it to our lives. Our final parable is found in the 13th chapter of Matthew, verses 51 through 33. Some scholars don't count these last few verses as as a legit parable. They want to hold to just saying that there are seven parables. Because seven, after all, is... A holy number. It, it symbolizes completeness or wholeness. It is a sacred number. And so why would we say there are eight when there are seven? Well, official or not, canonically 
proven, theologically sound or not, this last parable does a beautiful job of bringing all the rest of it together and presenting a picture of how those who follow Jesus, those who are closest to him, have this an, an amazing stockpile of information, a warehouse of wisdom, and an enormous and rich history to pull from, both old and new. So I invite you to hear these words from Matthew chapter 13, 51 through 53, and I'm reading from Eugene Peterson's The message. message. So Jesus had been teaching, telling these stories over and over and over again, all the different ones that we've been talking about for the last five weeks, talking to the crowds, but also talking to his followers, those that were closest to him. And he's winding it down, and he comes to this point, and he's speaking at this point to his disciples, to his closest followers. And he says, are you starting to get a handle on this? And they answered, yes. He said, then you see how every student, some say scribe, every student well-trained in God's kingdom, in God's rule, is like the owner of a general store. Some, say, some translations say the owner of a household. The owner of a general store who can put his hands on anything you need, old or new, exactly when you need it. This is God's word for God's people. Thanks be to God. Are you with me? Do you get it? Is it making sense? Are there any questions? That's the kind of vibe that Jesus gave in this final parable. Some might say there was an air of urgency in his voice, and I wouldn't be surprised if there was, because he knew what was to come, what his followers would witness, what they were up against, what they would go through following his death, leading up to his death, but following his death, burial, and resurrection. It's kind of like he was the teacher wanting to make sure, do everything that he could to make sure that the class was fully prepared for the biggest test of their lives. Because he knew when it came right down to it that it was up to them. It was up to them on how they would respond, on how they would react, how they would carry on. It was up to them what rule they would follow. The text tells us the rule of God is like the shopkeeper who can put their hands on the new and the old. How many of you have seen the first Harry Potter movie or read the book? Remember when Harry goes in to get his wand and the, the shopkeeper comes out looking a little frazzled and a little like Einstein, you know, a little uh, brilliant but just a mess? <laughs> and the walls and the, and the shelves are just stuffed full of wands and boxes and paper. And yet he knew exactly where every wand was because he knew his trade so well. And so 
The rule of God is like the shopkeeper who can put their hands on the old and the new. And the new things back then in Jesus' day were the extraordinary visions that Jesus, or the kingdom of God, was bringing to light. Things like, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who weep. Really? And of course, the comparison of wheat and weeds growing together. No farmer would plant weeds in the field. Or a mustard seed providing food and shelter. A mustard seed is just this invasive, annoying plant. And yeast just gets out of control. And it does, it, what, what's it going to do? And yet it provides food and shelter. A treasure worth everything. A pearl that you would give everything you have to own that one pearl. Or a net that is wide enough and deep enough to catch all kinds of fish. Or a store owner trained and wise enough to know when to bring out the new and when to pull up the old. Folks, that, that's crazy talk. For the people who heard it in Jesus' day, that's crazy talk. That is completely opposite of what they grew up learning, what they grew up to know, what their experience taught them. It's crazy talk. For anyone who lived by any other rule except God's rule. And the old things... The old was the wisdom of their history. The Torah, the first five books of the Bible, that's what they would have been taught from the time they were little. The centuries that came before them, the centuries of God followers that came before them, particularly those ancient stories of, of Moses and Isaac and Jacob and the stories of Yahweh, providing and leading and sustaining and judging and restoring and bringing hope to the people of Israel. When we think about today, the new things today, well, they're still happening. They are still being uncovered and built and revealed and, and, and discovered if we have eyes to see, if we have courage to trust that God is indeed still in our midst. Think about it this way. Church doesn't look the same after COVID, does it? And it never will. And that's okay. Because God is still in the midst of it all. Small groups function differently. Participation is redefined. Leadership can't depend solely on what worked in the past. When have leaders ever been able to depend solely on the past? We learn from it, we use what worked, but we don't depend solely on the past. And, hear this, Community and connection are still crucial to growth and transformation. 
that's never going to change. The old for us is our story. Remembering who we are and whose we are. Holding on to the the tenets of what make us United Methodists, what make us Christian. But more importantly, holding on to what makes us followers of Jesus. Remembering the God story in the beginning. That story hasn't changed. But how we tell it, how we share and reveal and live and build and explain and connect and model it, that has to be new and old. And that's what Matthew was concerned with, bringing those two things together, old and new, rooting the new deep within the old and allowing the old to come through or to emerge as fresh and exciting expressions. Chapter 13 of Matthew is considered to be the central point, contains the central point of the entire book. So if you want to study and learn, understand and grow in your knowledge of the kingdom of God, Matthew chapter 13 is your chapter to read and to read again and to read again and to discuss with other believers, other followers, to share with people in your household or with friends or to join with other people at church that are talking about it on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. Yes, that was a plug. Because to better understand Matthew 13 and the parables and what it means to live in the rule of God is contained in that chapter. What God was and is doing in Jesus was and is a continuation of that grand story, what Dallas Willard calls the divine conspiracy, what God is up to in our midst, the ancient story that began with creation the story that hasn't changed, and we are all given the same information. We are all given the same image and invitation, and now it's up to us. We are the ones following Jesus, or we're the ones that are are closer to Jesus, knowing Jesus, wanting to follow Jesus, wherever we are on our journey of faith. It's about understanding and action. How will we live in and live out this rule of God that is already? And I almost forgot. I don't even know if we've told you the best part. You want to know the best part? Church, do you want to know the best part of it all? People at home, do you want to know the best part? Good, because I'm going to tell you anyway. The best part, church, is that the rule of God is already here. It is already here. And it's been here for some 2,000 years. It is not something that we create. It is not something that, that we build, that we invent, or that we do. It is not some location that we have to figure out how to get there. It is something that we live by. It's a done deal. 
It came when Jesus came and began revealing God's rule then. It's a done deal. It's internal and eternal. It's a mindset, it's a heart set, and it's a lived reality. The parables are telling us, just like they told those early followers, the kingdom of God is among you. It's here, whether you are at school, whether you're going off to college, whether you're retired and you have all kinds of time and you don't know what to do with it all. Yeah, right. Call me, I'll tell you what we can do with it all. Whether you've been a Christian for, for five minutes or your entire life, it is among you. The rule of God is all of it. It is the wheat and the weeds, the seeds planted, the yeast and the mustard seed, the treasure and the pearl, and it's all being made new. It is the net it is the owner of the house. It is the coffee shop Bible study. It is the neighborhood worship groups. It is the pub theology. That's my, one of my favorites. Pub theology study groups. It is friends getting together to take a, a walk around the, around the neighborhood during Sunday school hour. It is youth gathering off-site somewhere to talk about what they want to do next or what they want to see their youth group become. It is all of it. And it comes down to this, church. Those who claim to follow Jesus should always be asking, how can I, how can we, be sure in our thinking, speaking, and living that we are both rooted in the old and bearing the new fresh realities of the kingdom of heaven. We have everything we need to exist within the rule of God. We have everything we need to live out and live in, live among the rule of God. Now we just need to figure out what keeps us from doing a better job at it. Amen.